Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, you're listening to the DPC podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things dead parent, the good, the bad, and the banter, hosted by Sam and Kat. So tell me about yourself, like where you're from, where you live, what you do. Uh, I grew up in Edinburgh. Um, I live in Glasgow, a mighty distance away, you know. Yeah. I I don't know, I guess I lived in other places too, but I've just wound up in Scotland. Uh, I'm a guidance teacher in a secondary school. Oh, lovely. How's that? <laughs> it's quite difficult. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's funny as well. Kids are funny. <laughs> um, so, obviously, there's two of us that do this podcast. It's me and Sam Vidler. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, so so Sam's in Australia at the moment. She went um, last... What is it now? It's April. She went last September. Mm-hmm. Um which is rubbish <laughs> but um before recently the time difference was 12 hours and that was ideal because you can imagine you know seven o'clock here seven a.m there easy peasy but um the time difference now is nine hours and it's just so annoying mm. like whenever she finishes work at five and she can record a podcast it's nine it's like 9 a.m 8 a.m here and I'm like well I can't because it's uh <laughs> I need to go to work so yeah so hence why it's just me today but yeah so Sam Sam's dad is dead he died like four years ago mm-hmm. and my mum is dead and she died like three and a half years ago okay. and we met at uni so that's why we've got this fresh wounds too huh yeah yeah relatively so I mean not you know compared to some people we get some people messaging us that are like oh my mum died like a month ago like can I come on and we're like no (laughs) absolutely freaking not (laughs) yeah like you do not want to be like kind of like bearing your soul I think after a month to two complete strangers and then getting it published like (laughs) yeah literally like you don't you don't know who you are do you at that point I don't think you're kind of you're literally chaotic so anyway so I guess we'll just jump right in then now may as well um tell us your story what happened to you what happened to your dead parents uh well he died um that was it uh no he uh my dad died when I was five um uh he was a keen climber Oh wow! Yes, dangerous hobby, as it turns out. 
Um, yeah, really dangerous hobby. Yeah, yeah. Although the, the stupid thing was actually he uh, he didn't actually die climbing. He, uh, according to this, I've been speaking quite a lot recently to. Uh, he was with a friend of his when he died, um, who I still yeah. know uh, and I'm quite close to. Uh, and they had climbed Ben Nevis together during the day mm. and taken quite, as far as I understand, quite a dangerous route. Uh, and they were supposed to spend the night in the Bothy at the top. But my dad, according to uh, his friend, was quite a, like a, a, an obsessive person. And if he got an idea, it was difficult to kind of dissuade him of what it was. So he decided that he was going to uh, descend the mountain the same evening. Um, aye, so I took the tourist route, but uh, lost his way. Uh, I think there was a storm or a fog or something uh, and stepped off the path and off a cliff. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, in a way, you know, if, if you think somebody is such an experienced uh, mountaineer and such an experienced navigator would just like walk off a cliff in the dark. <laughs> Holy shit. But yeah, apparently that's uh, more than what happened. Was he walking down there on his own then? Did he no, find stuff in the body? His friend was behind him um, and just saw the torchlight disappear and there was nothing he could do. Um, oh, he, he climbed back up and went uh, spent the night in the Bothian because it was it was 1994 you know it was like satellite phone time yeah um, and got help in the morning so I mean I I think I mean for often when I think about the story I really I really think about him and I think God how awful yeah. to be with your best friend know that something has happened to them and not be able to do anything without uh, what a shitty night's sleep you'd have yeah right <laughs> right <laughs> lying there in the dark you know in your sleeping bag like fuck um so yeah so that's what happened um and uh yeah I guess I mean my memories of it are very fragmented because I was so so young at the time um but do you you remember being told I have a dim memory of the police coming to the house yeah um Mm. because I guess they had mountain rescue and stuff um but it's funny actually because I was talking to a colleague of mine maybe a couple of months ago, who was telling this story about this guy he knows who works for Mountain Rescue. (laughs) And he said, oh, this guy was telling me a story about how years ago they had to go and uh, pick up this guy who'd fallen off this cliff in the night without a helmet on. You know, the guy had been smashed to bits and they came to get him all kind of gathered up. And he realised after the helicopter lifted the body away that there was a piece of skull on the ground. So he put the skull in his pocket with the intention to hand it in later. And he forgot about it. And later when he was in the pub, he pulled it out of his pocket when he was looking for change. I was listening to my colleague telling this story who didn't know which mountain my dad had died on and didn't know that he'd been killed in climbing. <laughs> I was thinking that could have been him. You know, it absolutely could have been him. Holy yeah. shit, yeah. It could have been I know, him. a couple of weeks later, I was like, could you put a year to that? You know, could you? And, then, you know, the he kind of placed it in a different time. Oh, God. <laughs> I bet you were listening and you were like, holy shit, are you actually talking about my dad right now? I had this really kind of feeling where I was like, I feel a bit like, I feel a bit sick, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. quite curious you know I don't know um but yeah so I, I kind of I vaguely remember being told but um you know what I remember more clearly is like I think it was a Saturday it was either a Saturday that he died or a Saturday that we were told and I remember I went to school on Monday <laughs> and it was a classic my mom like absolutely classic um, oh, really? <laughs> and the school called an assembly where they announced to like the primary school because I have a brother as well who's older than me um but he was at school with me at the time that this had happened and like to be very delicate with us you know 
Um, well, they, they, but were you in that assembly? Yeah, which I think, I mean, it's in my oh memory. My yeah, that does seem like, I don't think it would happen now, you know. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Can you imagine, like, bringing all the Jews who are like, by the way, guys, so uh, you, you see Anna over there? Yeah, well, her dad died this weekend, so just be a bit kinder yeah, to her. bereaved children could just stand up. <laughs> <laughs> just stand up. Just stand up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow, that is chaotic. I know. Um, so yeah. So that's more, that's more or less the gist. Um, Can you remember what it was like afterwards? Like, did you have did you have many family around you or anything? Uh, no, my dad. My dad was an only child, and uh, both of his parents are dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, I know. Like literally, everyone in my dad's family is dead. It's kind of people say, like, oh, "But what about your Scottish family?" I'm like, eh. it's actually the same as my dad. Same as my dad. Well, my, apart from my dad, my dad's alive, but everybody else is dead from his family, pretty much. Yeah, just so. other, other than my cousin. So, yeah. yeah I mean, I think I, a lot. I mean, all of my. I mean, his parents died of, like, really Scottish things, you know, heart disease and other um, <laughs> illnesses. I mean, he had some cousins who we used to go and visit on Boxing Day, but I never really had any relationship with them. My mom is English uh, and her family are all living down south. So kind of no. I mean, there was nobody mm. really, um, just my brother and me, who were already kind of uh, a little bit weird for our Scottishness and, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, yeah, so, yeah, there was nobody around. And I think my mom really suffered from that, you know. She kind of, she was very, you know, she became a single parent overnight. Um, yeah. Although I think if you if you have a partner who has a, who does something so dangerous, you know, in their spare time, mm-hmm. <laughs> that maybe yeah. a bit of you kind of plans for that, but I don't know. Yeah, in a way, but you, you know, kind of, I bet you don't sit and think about it for long enough, do you? To well, if my partner dies, I'm going to do this and <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> like she's got a whole basically the next morning she got this massive folder of yeah. this is what we're gonna do now <laughs> contingency plans here's one I made earlier <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah your poor mom that must have been yeah trying to yeah. trying to juggle that must have been horrendous yeah, I really feel for her I mean like the the next door neighbor organized the funeral and that kind of stuff you know she was really oh epic yeah he's yeah I still know him actually next door neighbours have a really good habit of pulling it out the bag we had another girl on here that said her next door neighbour started mowing their lawn for them after their dad died (laughs) and I was like what a guy like (laughs) just turns up yeah actually it's funny because I didn't know that until um because Edinburgh is so like ridiculously small the Mm. the old next door neighbour um is quite involved in the music scene in Edinburgh and he became friendly with a girl that I used to go out with who who was like oh yeah and this guy he organized your dad's funeral and he like took you out from under the bed and made you go and I was like what (laughs) like I have no memory (laughs) and apparently he had just mentioned it in passing and she mentioned it as though I already knew but again because it's like that's a part of my life that I don't remember very well yeah um it was real news to me (laughs) I think I was about 18 or something yeah, I bet it was. Yeah. Like, does your mum ever talk about that kind of period? We've started to talk about it now in, like, the last, maybe in the last year, actually. Um, we, okay. didn't, we didn't really talk about it. Um, she's uh, she's not a very emotional person. I've seen her cry about three times in my life, like, yeah, um, including my dad's funeral and her mum's funeral, you know. Um, she's very... Uh, very contained um and like the kind of person mm. who will, like make a joke out of everything you know um so yeah. we don't really discuss it but I think I mean this year 
we were driving somewhere um and i was talking well so she also lives in she, she lives in a different country now so we don't talk so much right well where, where does she live she lives in switzerland um oh i love switzerland you know <laughs> <laughs> really good idea <laughs> I, I always think that's funny but um she yeah she'd been visiting and we were, were going somewhere and I was uh I was talking about how there was a time where she was on quite a lot of sedatives when I was little like uh, we got we went to Australia actually on holiday and uh, uh she was stopped on the border because she had been prescribed temazepam by her doctor which as it turns out is a class a drug in Australia or was at the time no yeah really <laughs> so I just have a really strong memory of us being stopped in customs uh and my mom with her like boxes of temazepam <laughs> <laughs> you say diazepam yeah diazepam yeah yes i've taken one of them um it's a strong opiate right i mean it's a, oh yeah, yeah like yeah i, I don't mean i didn't take it recreationally like <laughs> um it was the morning of my mum's funeral yeah. and my gra- my grandma just went here you go Catherine, have one of these and i was like what is it and she was like it doesn't matter what it is just take it i was like oh, okay so I think it took about an hour to set in. So for the first hour, we were at the creme and I was like an absolute mess. And then we got to the church and literally it was like I was just like floating. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just sat there and I was like, right. <laughs> so she, I mean, she'd been prescribed this for, I, I don't think, I mean, I remember this happened when I was 10. And like I asked, uh, but I asked her about it recently. I was like, were you actually on Tamazepam for five years? Mm, <laughs> yeah. She often, like, she would, she was quite. I mean, through no fault of her own, you know, but she had moments of being quite absent as a parent. But she yeah. she said to me, she was like, actually, no, I wasn't. But she said that she had these, like, big absences. And the one thing that she said to me in particular, um, which I found kind of really helped me to understand kind of where she was at, because like I said, we don't really talk about it. Um, mm. we said, she said that she'd gone to pick my brother and I up from school. And that when she was driving home, she realized that she uh, couldn't remember where we lived um, and like couldn't remember how to get home. So she like just kitted on the, you know, like kind of made it a game and was like, oh, I've forgotten, ha ha ha, uh, and got us to direct her back to the house. No way. Yeah. And I'd, I thought, God, imagine being so mad with grief that you don't know where you are, you know, and that you don't know where you live. Yeah. Because um, they had lived there or we had lived in the house that we were living in at the time for at least a year and a half before he died. And like, I, she didn't actually place the story in time. So I don't know how close to yeah, uh, it yeah. was, but I mean, still, I mean, Edinburgh's not a fucking big place. Holy I'm shit. I'm swearing yeah. a lot. Can I swear a lot? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> Go for it. Um, <laughs> all of our, all of our like, listeners are like adults. Yeah, so the less, yeah, the less one I listen to with no swearing. So I don't know. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> me, me and Summer are always like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Uh, yeah, but I, I thought that story was so striking, you know, because she, cause she doesn't really betray any kind of feeling about stuff particularly, or she's very, very practical. And last uh, last year, it was, I guess it was the 25th year, last wow. February, or was it this year? Yeah. Maybe it's this year. No, it is this year, um, but the year before, she'd come to Scotland around the date, mm. she was like, oh, let's go to the cemetery together, which we hadn't done for, I don't know, maybe 10 years or something. Oh because um, my, my dad was his job job was uh he was a uh, he lectured at edinburgh university oh, nice. they, what did he lecture in uh forestry he was a tree geneticist epic yeah actually again my next girlfriend found his papers on fucking jister 
And it, oh, wow. I know, but like, again, it had never occurred to me to Google him because he died before the internet. Yeah, well, yeah of course. Somebody else was like, yeah, I read your dad's paper. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's so cool. I know, because I was given his obituary some years ago. I showed it to her and she's like, oh, I've already read it. I found it online. <laughs> you've read it before me what the hell <laughs> but it just never it just never it never dawned on me no um, I suppose it wouldn't really yeah anyway so Edinburgh University had uh, um they had put up a new like memorial bench because there used to be a tree but then they built a building on top of it so my mom mm. and I for this uh this death date went to went to the campus to find the bench okay. and I convinced her to let me take a family portrait yeah <laughs> so she's like sitting on a bench with her own <laughs> <laughs> and we had a couple of other- oh, it was kind of nice but um yeah I think I think those moments are really important but I think they can take a really long time to happen can't they yeah I think so I mean when I was little I was not up for talking about it you know and I don't think that my mom no. was in place either you know where she you know like I said she was became a single parent overnight she's not yeah. super emotionally literate yeah. generally um and she was like living in a city she didn't want to live in that she'd come to for somebody else who wasn't there anymore you know yeah um, definitely yeah so how long did you stay in edinburgh for then after that or did you move <laughs> funny story uh so when i was 14 i think or 15 my mom bought a house on a an island off the west coast uh, off the west coast of scotland called Arran. that's quite it's quite accessible from the central belt and so she started spending her weekends there mm. um, and then over time spent more and more uh, time on the island. And when I was 16, she announced that she was leaving home and that oh, she right. was going to go and live on the island uh, and sell the house that I grew up in. Um, oh, right. Was I That's good. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided to stay in Edinburgh. Um, and so I yeah. moved out kind of because my mom moved out. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a funny way of leaving home. But brutal sorry that's pretty brutal lots of people say that you know and I kind of it's your norm though isn't it I suppose so yeah and I like I really admire my mom's brutality I think in that Mm. in that way where like she is a person who has suffered a huge amount Mm. um she had a long-term boyfriend after my dad died uh, who also died (laughs) um So, I mean, they had broken up maybe a year before, but I mean, she was still like devastated. Yeah, hundred um, percent. What what happened to him? Was it uh, yeah, cancer? Or... Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and I kind of, you know, we our relationship was very, very bad at the time, and you know, my my brother and I had the kind of financial security because my dad had really good life insurance, uh... and they had bought this big house together. He died about six months or a year later. It paid off the whole mortgage. Um, so when they sold the house that I grew up in, a quarter of the money belonged to my brother and I. So I was able to buy a flat and I lived on my own. Um, she went off to the island, uh, started her new life. Um, and I lived by myself. It's difficult because I think when something like that happens to you, you live, as a parent, you must live day by day just for your children until they're at an age where you feel like you you fight well like like you you can just let them let let them go and then just go and do your own thing I mean she kind of started and she did say like if you want to move if you want to move to Erin and live with me you can Um, yeah it wasn't like I'm leaving and you can't come yeah of course but I was very and I had all and as a teen I had always said that I was going to leave home when I was 16 and I was very adamant about that Um, okay it was kind of yeah it was brutal I think um 
but yeah, I kind of, I kind of respect it. I think that, you know, she's, yeah, she's somebody who doesn't, uh, she's not afraid to take care of herself, you know. Um, I bet you can respect it more now that you're older as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, you can imagine now just being like, you know what, fair enough, go and do what you want to do. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it really improved our relationship, actually, um, not living together, I think, because our relationship was always so complicated. Um, mm. And it was never a, really a, a kind of mother-daughter back and forth. We always had a bit more of a coexistence or... Mm. Um, and, and still do, I mean, I would say that you know, we developed it. We were able to develop to develop a kind of friendship. Um, yeah, after we yeah. Living together, which you know is nice, and we get on pretty well now. Um, so. Would you say that? I know you're probably going to find it hard to remember, but would you say that it was different before your dad died? Was it more of like a unit? I really don't know. I mean, my dad was away a lot anyway before he died. Uh, he traveled uh-huh. a lot for research. Um, but yeah, I would I would find that. I was thinking about it actually, um, just like you sent those questions, and I've been thinking about it just generally. And um, yeah, I, don't, I would find that really hard to answer. I think um, yeah. one of those things. But like, if I think about the kind of, and especially as I get older, if I think about the kind of the story of my life, like I said, I haven't really been speaking about my dad's death for the last mm. couple of years, except when I was little. But then it was all about that as an event or how I felt about that particular thing and now if I speak about it it's more about the kind of the butterfly effect or like the yeah the, kind of, yeah. Yeah, the sort of series of events um that happened after that and mm-hmm. now and then and as I get older it becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger percentage of my life you know I only have to live 10 more years and I'll be older than he ever was oh god <laughs> and that and that hurts doesn't it like yeah yeah it yeah it, it really does and it I think that in itself goes against what those people say when they say, oh, it gets better with time. But I think, especially in your circumstance, because you were so young when it happened and you can't process it like you would if you were older, you process it really slowly, I think, because yeah. you're getting older. I so. And I think it gets different with time as well. You know, I I think now that, now that I'm more or less an adult person... Um, more or less. <laughs> you know, there's room for improvement, right? 60% of the time. Um, you know, I think a lot about what kind of adult person I want to be and how things that I have experienced in my life impact on how I relate to other people. Yeah. You know, and in terms of work as well, like supporting kids who are who are having a hard time. I, you know, I can't say to them, oh, I have a dead parent too. And I wouldn't really want to either. Because, you know, mm. it's, like being, it's like saying to somebody, I know how you feel, which is never, ever true. Uh, can't be true mm. you know you can't you can't ever really have a grasp well I bet there's definitely you know, a reason why you're doing the job that you're doing now and a part of that is probably because of the butterfly effect of you going through something when you were younger sure yeah and you know when I was at school I felt you know I was very uh you know I think I I think I would have valued knowing somebody else uh, yeah who, who was in a similar situation because I didn't really uh, until I was in high school, somebody in my class, his dad died, but we didn't know each other well enough to ever speak about it. I was mm. just like interested in it from a distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I've realised that now because I knew a few people in high school. Um, one person in particular stands out to me whose dad had died suddenly, and back then in high school, I didn't think much much of it at all. It wasn't a, a big 
shock and I don't know why because I think now I'm like oh my god that poor guy (laughs) went through such shit and he was such a nice like he is such a nice guy and he was always so kind and I just so wish now that I could go back in time and ask him more about it it's like yeah it's difficult I mean do you still know him do you have an opportunity I think if I saw him out and about, possibly, but I don't think I would approach him. But um, if if I so you dad, if I, yeah, I know I know we're about ten years late doing this, but can we talk about your dead dad? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And um, what what about your brother? Did you say that you had an older brother? I do. Yeah, I do. Do did you not speak with him about it at all? Does he remember more than you do? Or you know, I mean, I'm sure he probably does, but we haven't really talked about it. And I I think. Yeah, um, he. I probably won't talk about him too much. Actually, he's quite. Yeah, that, that's fine. I don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just. I was never. I would just say that we weren't that kind of a family. You know, that yeah. wasn't that wasn't the. The vibe, as it were. Yeah, not 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 everyone is. I think my mom my... tried. I think I think she really did try. She used to like put aside time, um, but. I think she struggled to engage with it. I struggled to engage with it, and, and my brother struggled mm. to engage with it too. So, um, mm. but he had a really hard time when he was a teenager. He still has a hard time, actually. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm sure that he's a wealth of information. Uh, yeah. Really How many years older than you is he? He's two years older than me, which is not it's not huge, but I think it, in that time of life, it makes a, a difference. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But I mean, at the moment, I get most of my information from my dad's friends, um, and I, yeah. I know lots of them, although. Uh, it's not really funny, but um, <laughs> one of his uh, best friends uh, was uh, who's my uh, sort of honorary-ish. Uh, she chose her own godparents uh, when she was okay. my goddaughter's dad, who's one of my dad's best friends, uh, was also killed in a climbing accident while with the same guy uh, two years ago. <laughs> so with the same guy, is this guy killing the off or what? <laughs> You know, he's actually, he's the nicest man. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's not killing them off. I mean, God, imagine, like, to be this guy. He must be struggling. Yeah, and yeah, he's he's so, so lovely. Um, but, yeah, so uh, it's funny that I was getting, you know, I was getting to kind of, as I got a bit older, I was starting to want to know a bit more about my dad and, and the two of, mm. of his friends who I, you know, was closest to in terms of seeing the most or being physically close to as well, like, who still live in Edinburgh was his uh, climbing partner and then the guy who also died. Uh, oh, God. Was it a similar kind of story with yeah, him? climbing accident. Jesus. <laughs> has this other guy retired from climbing yet then or what? No, he actually hasn't. He dislocated his... He fell uh, a year ago and dislocated his shoulder and I was like, man, you have got to stop. <laughs> yeah. I really think it's time now. It's just like... That's our kind of, whenever I see him, we go to the climbing wall. <laughs> nice. Well, at least if you're in a climbing wall, you know, it's not, it's not you're not going to, it's not going to end as badly, yeah. you'd hope, is it? That's true. We don't do much of the outdoor climbing, but we got Yeah, yeah. That's, in, I, cause I, I quite enjoy a bit of, yeah, I, I go climbing sometimes because yeah. I climbing, a few climbing walls near me. Um, much, much more confident on a climbing wall inside yeah. than I am if you put me on an actual, uh, Outdoor climbing, I'm like, oh. Well, I, mean, I don't do the ropes ones because I'm a bit afraid of heights, but um, so I go bouldering. But I, I take, no. I asked him to recommend me some scrambling routes. 
mm. hill walking and he recommended me this ridge scramble and this mountain highlands which I did with a friend of mine who's also quite friend of mine so we climbed together and it was fucking terrifying I mean scrambling is like climbing mm. but without ropes and like you use yeah. your hands and your feet and there were bits of it which had just enormous drops on both sides uh, and afterwards I said to him I was like well at least you recommended me a route that you can't die on he's like of course you can die on that one I'm like why did you think <laughs> what is wrong with you I am my father's daughter for god's sake <laughs> I know I cannot die on a climbing accident my mother would be very upset like that would literally be the least ideal thing ever <laughs> no nobody needs to try and deal with that at all <laughs> god <laughs> so, um, how how old would you say or like do you remember kind of coming to the realization that you're like my dad is dead because a lot of people that a lot of people that we speak to they say that when obviously when it happens you don't have that onset of like oh my god but I imagine it happens when you're older yeah I think so I mean because I remember in the like in the immediate aftermath I remember trying to comfort my brother with this idea that my that our dad was with Jesus a very religious child uh, <laughs> super Catholic, you know? um but but then I also like I think I remember as a kid having the sensation of just of like the moment where you remember and you wake yeah. up and you're like fuck you know that thing I remember that and even still I mean I had a I had a really weird experience maybe that I think kind of set off this starting to talk about it or think about it. Um, I was walking the West Highland Way with a couple of friends uh, maybe two summers ago, which is a it's a, a, a long-distance walking route from Glasgow to Fort William, which is where Ben Nevis is. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Um, and But for some reason, it just didn't really occur to me when we had planned it that we were going to walk past the mountain that my dad had died on. Because <laughs> um, I had never God. been. Um, like, I had been in the area... Um, but I had never really like, you know, when I was little for passing a card, I was cover my eyes or something like that. Um, mm. But my mom had once taken me to the police station in Fort William to look at a, a kind of model of the mountain so that there's a very distinctive feature on one side that's like five gullies, which together, which is where he fell. Um, mm. So I remember that really clearly. And then but uh, uh, maybe two days into the walk, we were walking for seven days. I said to my friends, I was like, listen, I've just like I've been thinking about this and I think that actually we're going to we're going to walk past, uh, we're going to walk past Ben Nevis and I don't really know what that's going to do to me. And my pals are super nice and they're just like, oh, don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's okay if you get upset, you know, because I get really embarrassed if I cry in front of people, which I know is not healthy, but I'm working on it. No, yeah, (laughs) I I, I do. I kind of hide my eyes and kind of sort myself out really quickly. I'm trying not to though, you know, I'm trying to be a grown up and just cry. Mm. (laughs) Um, But anyway, we like, so we kind of walked on and walked on. Uh, And then, Later in the walk, we met a friend of mine who was traveling with somebody I'd never met before, who decided to join us for the final day of the walk, which is from a wee town called Kinlochleven to Fort William. And I had been looking at the guidebook and I was trying to figure out which side of the mountain we were going to see. Uh, okay. was, really, you're really trying to prepare yourself yeah, here, yeah, right? Like, trying, trying to be responsible and like get ready. Yeah. It's a really busy hiking trail as well, so there are people everywhere. I was looking at the book and I thought, okay, right. I think actually the the bit that I remember this, these kind of five gullies is on the north side, so we're not going to see it. So it's fine. But I don't know. Like I don't know if I just read the book wrong or something. Like I'm not. I'm normally quite good at navigation. But anyway, at one point we came over the crest of the hill and all I could see in front of me was just these five. Uh, oh it was. I mean, Ben Nevis. I mean, it's it's not 
Everest, but it's pretty big. Yeah. And it was like, and it was, it was strange. It's one of the few times in my life where I felt like unable to keep walking, you know? And I just like, I had been walking for a week by that point, And I like, but I just stopped <laughs> and like, uh, yeah. And just sat down and wept. And like, it was, oh. it was really bizarre. Uh, my friends were super nice, but we only had like two inches of whiskey left in the little bottle we had. <laughs> <laughs> and, this, and this guy who I'd never met before, who's there, is just standing there. He was he was really nice about it, actually. <laughs> and the three of them just kind of, I mean, just kind of, yeah, they gave me a little whiskey, like picked me up, <laughs> and, like, um, and and we had to keep going because we had like I don't know maybe ten miles to go before we actually got to, we were, yeah. well, maybe only five or something, but. Um, but it was all we could see for the rest of the day. Like that was the view <laughs> for the rest of the day. Um, Did it give you an opportunity to speak about him a bit more? Yeah, I guess so. And it was it was funny actually because his his old climbing partner had sent me um, some pictures uh, from a trip, a climbing trip they had taken together um, before before he when he was really he was like in his twenties. I think they were taken in like the late seventies. And they had arrived in my email maybe two days before. So I'd been looking at them. I had been thinking about him. And yeah, um, yeah, I guess I talked to my friends a bit. But but it was really, it was the first time, I think, since I had been a very little kid that I had had a really public, Mm. (laughs) you know. But also, like, I think in terms of, like, realizing that this person is dead, you know. And I, I was looking at the place where he died and I thought, what the fuck, you know. It, it was very very real in that moment in a way where I hadn't really it hadn't felt real or it hadn't felt like a real in that gripping sense of loss you know that you have yeah. fresh. it hadn't felt like that it, for a really long time literally like it engulfs you doesn't it yeah and it was just right there and I couldn't I couldn't see anything else for hours <laughs> yeah yeah that is hell that actually is hell actually, I think it was in a way it was useful because it, it meant that I started thinking about it and I started talking about it in a way that I don't, yeah. I don't know if I would have if I hadn't been confronted with that. And my, my plan is actually to climb the mountain later. I was about, I was about to ask, do you think you'll ever climb it? Yeah, 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 definitely. I was thinking, I was going to do it in September, um, but then it was so windy. It was because the route that I'm going to take is one that is uh, potentially deadly if it's windy. <laughs> oh, right, that's good. <laughs> so I'm waiting for a calm day. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm hoping to do it in the summer. But actually, I mean, I'd wanted to ask this friend of my dad's, but now he's dead, so... <laughs> Oh shit! What do you think? Do you think your other friend will go with you? You're, I mean, will he will he want to go with you? Uh, I think he's a bit too old, and I and um, yeah. and I I wouldn't want to ask him actually. I think that um, yeah, we're only just starting to kind of talk about talk about it a little bit, and I don't know. I just think mm. if two, your two best friends die in front of you, like it's a bit much, you know. Oh yeah, I think that's tipped you over the edge, yeah. li- literally a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So like. I spend time with him. I really like him. You know, he, you know, I, and we spend a lot of time together, but I think that's, it's a bit beyond what I would ask of him. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, yeah. In, a, in a way, I also kind of want to do it on my own, you know? I mean, mm, I mean, on my own is in like with a friend. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Who's <laughs> disconnected from the story. I think is. Cool. <laughs> um, like, yeah, who didn't like... know my dad and who like, who wants to climb the mountain because, because they want to climb the mountain, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get it. it. I think I think that will give you a really nice opportunity to have really like loads of big open conversations about it, though, because I think there's some there's something about climbing a mountain. I think that allows you to have those conversations. It feels safe. Yeah, yeah. I, 
yeah well the, the space to talk it feels kind of safe yeah and I really like I mean the reason that I did, I'd done the, the West Hanway as well is I like the like the idea of taking a journey with somebody you know where you like you spend time with somebody mm-hmm. else but your conversation is guided by this thing that you're doing together or this um this destination you're both you're you know you're getting to or whoever it is so yeah definitely so we'll see but yeah it is part of my plan I will I will climb it um hopefully this year actually my uh, my wife is pregnant so I need to <gasps> that's so exciting I'll climb it before the baby is born because if I fucking die when the baby is born that would be that would be oh god yeah so I've got to climb it first um yeah I don't know how that makes sense but to me it makes sense no I yeah I, I, can, I can kind of see that so like my being a parent would increase my risk of death <laughs> yeah like you're tempting with fate yeah, exactly. like going like oh no this like yeah everything everything becomes riskier you know if you're a parent obviously you're just the, like the, the possibility of death is everywhere so how many months pregnant is she uh only three um she had her, her three months scan yesterday actually so when oh, we got this so late actually was so that i would be able to talk about it yeah but, yeah how, how was that the scan yeah yeah it has ears Oh, cool. Like human ears that can hear me, apparently, which is... Oh, God. But I guess, I mean, I've been thinking about parenthood a lot in terms of thinking about being somebody who grew up with only one parent. Yeah. And, you know, or one parent who was, like, also grieving. <laughs> yeah. So I'm um, trying to think about, you know, what kind of parent I want to be, how my own childhood is going to impact my parenting, and also, like, what the fuck I would do if my partner died. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I do think that you should have that contingency plan that we spoke about. (laughs) (laughs) Make one for the I mean, you know, fingers crossed that 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 definitely won't happen. Yeah, I mean, touch wood, you know. But that's such an exciting time. I think um, one of the things that I say a lot is that I'm really excited to have a child when once I'm ready and you know I don't even have a partner yet so that's a long way away but um yeah but I I do think that having a child is going to fill a bit of a hole you think so yeah I think I think I've got I always say that like when when my mum died I'm now left with all of this love that I want to give to something or someone and I've got nowhere to put it and I feel like it's gonna be, I'm really excited to be able to kind of like have kids mm. and give that to them. It's funny because I think that if I think about my like the the relationship between my like status as a DPC person and mm. and the thought of having children, I think you know. I, I but I guess maybe it's more to do with my own experiences of growing up. Is that you know I worry about because of my DPC ness, like you know being my DPC. Yeah, I mean it's a real thing though. Um, you know, I worry about like being a bit guarded or being a bit, you know, closed off. Yeah. Unavailable or like, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And I think for me. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, it's been something that I've been I've been trying to since we've been kind of talking about having children. I've been trying to make a real commitment to like, I guess, healing some of the stuff from yeah from that kind of. It's- is that why you've been kind of going to is that why you've started going to therapy and stuff it's then? a big part of it yeah I think after the you know the West Island Way incident <laughs> mm-hmm. um about six months after that I was like no, it's time you know I, I'm doing I've been a few times in my life because uh, I you know I was sent when I was little to yeah uh, I imagine and then I think you know as a teenager and stuff and then when I was, I was you know kind of but I've never really engaged with it very well um, but I think mm-hmm. at some point I was like fuck you know if you're gonna be if you're going to be somebody's parent, you really just sort your shit out, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so true. Although, to be fair, I'm pretty sure neither of my parents ever sorted their shit yeah, out before like, they Why is this not fucking them. mandatory? Like, <laughs> like, why is everything not made to do this? <laughs> right, before you're allowed to even think about children, you're all going to therapy and you're all sorting your shit out. Eight months, every week. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, not the, it's not the only reason, but it's, it's certainly something we talk about a lot, you know, because I find that, like, I can find spending time with other people's families very difficult. Yeah. I think like, I had, I'd had this experience uh, on this walk and like, and then I had spent Christmas with my wife's family a couple of, or I guess four months later. And I found it really, really, really hard. Um, they're a very mm-hmm. family family. Um, and I think there is, there's something about, uh, I don't know, spending time with people's families who are very harmonious and very, you know, yeah. together and everybody's alive and likes everybody else and you know. it makes you it makes you sad though and jealous it, yeah it does like, and yeah and I think I just I found it very difficult and I was like fuck if I'm gonna be a family person with this family family um mm-hmm. I really am gonna have to to try and be a or just be like less freaked out by their familyness <laughs> yeah yeah totally yeah. I I get so jealous. I'm like my cousins have all got their, you know, aunties and all that their parents and all my friends pretty much have all got their parents. And whenever you're around there, you're like, "Fuck, I'm jealous of you." But I, I always try and steal their mums a little bit. I'm proper like my friends' mums love me. Like <laughs> I always text them like, "Hey, how you doing?" <laughs> try and get a motherness into me from someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. I mean. Yeah, I find it funny because, like, in the in the converse, you know, I think my wife can sometimes find that she feels a little bit jealous of my friendships or relationships with people who have dead parents. Yeah. Um, because she's like, oh, but, you know, they, like, understand something about you or you have this connection that, that we will probably never have because even if my parents die, I'm already an adult now. You know, yeah. and, and we're not going to have an experience that's close enough maybe you know yeah no I totally get that I think your relationship with people who've got their parents is so unique and you connect straight away I think I think so too actually and I was it's really funny actually I found the podcast because I was 
I was planning to get a tattoo that said DPC. Um, oh, sick. To, just to kind of even to, to kind of, I had this like impulse to kind of brand myself with yeah. uh, this, yeah, this kind of marker that I felt really was just such a, a symbol of this connection that I feel to, to other people who are in the same club as it were. And yeah. I've been talking about it with uh, somebody. Um, but I just wanted to Google it to make sure it didn't like mean anything else on Urban Dictionary that I didn't know about. <laughs> okay. I think I think there's some sort of building company that, or doctors. Yeah, but you're always worried that it's like, you know, that it's like some kind of, I don't know, some kind of like sexual slang that's used on yeah. that you don't know about and you've just fucking tattooed it on yourself. Uh, but I was Googling it and I found this podcast and I was like, oh my God, other people use this terminology? Like, wow. I'm sick. That's so cool that you found us that way. It's really funny. Uh, oh, was that on Google or like? Oh so, yeah, yeah, where I was at work. Sick. The power of the internet, man. That is epic. <laughs> oh, have you got it tattooed onto you? Yeah, I do. Yes. Where is it? Oh, it's on my ribcage. It's like a. It's around a, another tattoo that is kind of. Oh, I f- I feel. I'm not gonna lie to you. I feel like I need to do this. <laughs> it's, it's like it's an identity, isn't it? I think more than anything. Yeah, I think it is. Like I was, I was talking to the person I, I was going to do it with um, about it, and she was like, "Oh, but you know, it's kind of our thing." And what if like somebody sees it in their DPC too, and they want to get? And I'm like, "But isn't that nice? Like, imagine that somebody walks into yeah. a bar in Tokyo in 30 years, and they see somebody with a DPC tattoo, and they're like, hey, man, me too.' Yeah, yeah, literally, that's exactly what you want." <laughs> Um, although mine is not invisible. I was going to put it in a visible place in the back of my arm and I actually just thought I would just be asked by kids all the time yeah like what does that mean yeah yeah to, yeah I do but like the reason the reason that we called it DPC and we called it the dead parent club is because people if you're in the club you're like yeah that's yeah, me yeah. <laughs> like it's not it's not inconspicuous you know we were like we could give something really niche or something really creative and different then we were like fuck it like the people that we care about and that want to find us will resonate with that and the people that are put off by it are like oh that's a bit intense yeah. <laughs> are the people that it's need to listen to it <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. um, yeah I mean it's funny because like I have only ever really met one person who who gets it who's not a DPC who gets the thing and, and my wife is that that person you know, she's always engaged really well with dead parent humor like mm. I think as soon as she twigged the if I'm talking about my life stories quite early in our knowing each other, that like I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me, and if I make a joke, I want you to laugh, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, but it, yeah, it, it absolutely is a club, and I think that there is an instant sensation. The, the the person I was talking to about the the tattoo, the first time I met her, I think we were at a dinner party. And it was like, I, I can't remember if the person who introduced us was like, oh, both your parents, you know, you both have dead dads or something. I can't remember. Yeah. What a great introduction. It's like if you're a lesbian, someone else is like, oh, my friend is gay. You know, it's like that thing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, the person who introduced us was like, oh, uh, I think, I think had introduced us in the way. So we both had admits. Either that or it like was, became clear early in the conversation. And we've just like, we just became instant friends, yes. you know, and like yeah. that thing where you're like, oh, right, we're going to be friends forever. Okay, great. <laughs> Yes, I literally, it's my favourite thing. It's just such a connection. My, my, um, I've got so two of my best friends, Sam Vidler and Sam Jones. So Sam Vidler's the girl I do the podcast with. Mm-hmm. And we met because 
she found me crying on a field and I was like, my mum's been diagnosed terminal. And she was like, oh, my dad has too. And we were like, oh, sick. <laughs> um, and my other friend, Sam Jones, we actually only met last January. So only known each other for about 16 months. Um, but he he asked me what my parents did. And I was like, oh, my dad did this and my mum's dead. And, he, and then he was like, oh, right. And then he messaged me and he was like, by the way, my mum's dead. And ever since then, we have literally been like, the best of friends like you just, <laughs> you just get each other like it's great it's funny because I, I know if I'm gonna ask somebody I don't know about their parents I always before I ask the question ask them if their parents are alive oh, yeah before I ask them, do you, are they alive and I'm like I'm actually just trying to avoid an awkward situation <laughs> <laughs> it's so true and people are like you're asking me if my parents are dead like well, wow fucking weird thing to ask you're like well do you know what people ask me what my dad's job is all the time and I say deceased full-time <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. yes that's so funny um it happened to me and Sam Jones the other night we were in a bar and this guy had um the chalk for the pool key mm-hmm. and I went over and I was like oh do you mind if I borrow it and he was like oh be careful my, um, it's really important to me my dad bought me that um don't know how I feel about you using it like kind of taking the piss so then I went oh my god he's actually dead because we've both got dead mums and this guy's face just dropped and he was like uh, uh, uh no uh, uh I, I was joking I'm really sorry and I was like well next time maybe you should think twice before you joke about something like that <laughs> and this guy was just mortified and I was absolutely wetting myself like you tit mate you bloody tit <laughs> so funny so so funny mm. anyway so speaking of friends with dead parents have you got a lot of them then uh not a huge number no I um I know one or two people I think I mean no I guess now as I'm getting older people's parents are starting to drop off which is nice but um <laughs> company you know really. <laughs> um no not a huge deal I mean I have one uh person I would say um I actually my personal but uh and also a bit awkward so I'm sorry uh my my wife and I have an open relationship uh, okay so cool. I have another relationship with somebody who has a dead parent uh, oh right yeah which is interesting actually that explains why she's a bit like oh, you're the same I, I, can't, I can't bond with you over this yeah, yeah. like oh but she has a dead dad too <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous why can't my dad die <laughs> funny um yeah so I I do and this is the person I'd met I'd met this dinner party um uh many years ago uh so I guess yeah we've been hanging out a lot I mean we've been friends for ages um but yeah uh so her dad is dead too um yeah circumstances but she was also quite young which I think is handy I like that yeah handy no but <laughs> in terms of relatability benefits you know uh, I mean the stories are very different um but yeah so I think like you know, that's, that relationship has been quite a big, uh, factor. And again, like, you know, saying, I was starting to kind of talk about it more um, in the last few years. And I think that relationship has been a big factor. And that also, I mean, my therapist is fucking obsessed with it and just won't let it go. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so, so she and I talk about, about, uh, yeah, dead dadhood, I guess. Yeah, totally. Uh, and it's interesting because I think that, uh, one of the things that I think about, and we both have complicated relationships with our mothers as well, which is, uh, mm-hmm. but I think that I think that's a thing in common with lots of DPC people is that you end up with, a oh, with yeah, um, yeah, 
but yeah, that's been really, really helpful actually um, in the last little while in, in terms of thinking about how uh, my DPC-ness impacts on my relationships and on my friendships and, you know, and on just, yeah, just anything really. And like my relationship with my mom, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I have this, yeah, this one relationship, which is very um, helpful. helpful. Yeah. And it's nice to, to have somebody to bounce off, I think. Yeah. yeah, it's somebody that gets your humor and can laugh about it with you as well. Right, exactly. So, um, so that's that's a, that's a good time. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, but also like it's yeah, it's just been. I've never really known somebody else. Like I've I've known people like in a peripheral sense. Or I had a flatmate once. Um, <laughs> he's actually killed himself since. since uh, Holy shit, man! Well, it makes him a, a rubbish conversation partner. Um. Well, yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, so yeah, and I guess he was maybe the best, the closest thing I had. Uh, but I mean, when we lived together, we didn't, we weren't super close after I left uh, where I went to uni. Um, but uh, yeah, so it is really, really, really nice um, to have mm. an adult relationship with somebody who um, I know relationship not as an adult, not an adult relationship <laughs> um, uh, with somebody uh, who yeah is in a similar situation or like you know thinks about themselves in that context uh, yeah or is the, uh, no yeah, I, I, bet, I bet that's been a massive catalyst yeah. like you know taking it taking a few steps in the right direction which is awesome yeah I think so I think so unraveling things you know yeah better late better late than never as it's they a, say you know so I think that like I think this shit takes time you know and I and I I'm yeah. really a person who believes that the that you don't actually get over things you just you deal with them differently and the, the so grief true. is a whole life process you know because yeah. I, I think that you know the grief that I experienced immediately you know changed into something else and you know and as my life goes on and you know I think it's become apparent it's going to be very different you know and then yeah. then when I'm older than he ever was it will be different and then you know when my mom dies whenever that is I think she'll live forever actually mm-hmm. but <laughs> I mean, dad is still alive, which is kind of holy crap, sign. man. Um, so jealous of these people. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, her dad is her her nicer parents, so that's it's the right way. Ah, oh, yeah, ideal. Totally. Um, so yeah, but I think you know, whatever whatever my dealing with with that is is going to change. Mm. But it does. It scares the shit out of me. That just you know that, how the possibility that, that you're the way that you deal with something now is going to look different. That it's that it's forever. Yeah, that that grief is literally forever. Like it scares the living crap out of me. Shit, it's she's forever. <laughs> just because, like, you never know when it's going to come knocking on your door. Yeah, like and. Like, because sometimes I can be having a completely normal day and then something will just be triggered. And the idea of that forever <laughs> absolutely scares the crap out of me. But I mean, hey, we have to keep, say, keep going. Yeah, although I, in my experience, it becomes harder for you to, for those, like those moments where you're caught off guard become fewer and fewer. Yeah, become a bit more resilient. I yeah, suppose. I guess so. I mean, yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah, the only. Yeah, it doesn't happen to me so much anymore. Unless, like, I remember I opened a copy of Men's Health recently in a waiting room, uh, mm. and there was an article about free solo climbing. It's a picture of a guy standing on a mountain ledge with no ropes, and I just like shut the magazine. I could look at it, you know, like, ah. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, really? Like, who fucking does that? It's stupid. Um, mm. But anyway, uh, I mean, all of that changes. But it, I, I don't know. I think that, like, I think there's something comforting in the fact that something never leaves you. You know, like I remember going to see a a, a puppet show. Uh, sounds really childish. And it was like a like a grown up puppet show. And all yeah, it's puppet shows, by the way. Uh, it's at, the, at the fringe, uh, you know, oh. uh, called Dragon. And the storyline mm. is about a uh, a kid who's youngish, maybe eight or nine, uh, whose mom dies. Um, and the then the rest of the story is quite simple. It's about like the kids coping and like the remaining parent, what the remaining parent does. Um, but the the child's grief is represented with this kind of dragon puppet throughout the show, and like and they have they have loads of different puppets, and they like they're all different colors, and different shapes, and like some of them are really ominous and really scary, and some of them are really sad. And one of them I remember oh, yeah. was just this really like kind of long and slender puppet that just wraps itself around the child actor, and it's this kind of comforting, like really nourishing, like memory almost. Oh. But the theater that I watched it in is this. <laughs> this one that doesn't have individual seats it's kind of benches so you can scoosh up next to whoever you're next to and I was next to mm. a total fucking stranger and just cried hysterically the whole way through <laughs> <laughs> my wife was like are you okay <laughs> no <laughs> not a person who cried in public like I would maybe shed a single tear at the cinema but that was sort of it and I just sobbed and sobbed oh. poor guy on my other side Oh, but it's amazing how you can resonate with something like that, though, I isn't mean, it? Like they—they they literally described it for you. Yeah, and I, I and the the thing, I'd never seen anything that was so accurate in in describing mm. how how variable that experience of grief was. That sometimes it manifested as anger, sometimes as sadness, sometimes as jealousy of other people's families or whatever it was. And it was so <laughs> it was so true that I just yeah I couldn't fucking watch it, you know. Yeah. It came back to the fringe actually, maybe last year or the year before. Like, you I thought it? about it. No, I mean, I recommended it to everybody I saw, but I mean, I would like to see it again, but like maybe not next mm. to a yeah. <laughs> Two good friends to sit between them, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> sit in the middle, have some support on either side, 100%. Yeah, I, I thought, yeah, I thought it was really, really well done. It's one of the best uh, representations of grief I think I've ever seen. Um, well, they do say that grief is love, don't they? So. Yeah, do they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they do. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, so, do you do you think that it's changed the way that you go about your life and your attitude towards it? Even though you were so young, do you think everything that's happened in your life and the butterfly effect that it's had has given you a way of looking at life differently? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that, I mean, ironically, I've become a person who, like, will do things that, that are dangerous um mm. I mean not super like I'm a motorcyclist is really the, the kind of example that I'm thinking of like I love motorbikes and people have said to me but they're so dangerous you know you can die so easily and I just think you know I would really rather die doing something I loved than than get old and regret having not lived you know yeah, 100%. um so I yeah yeah I guess I I really I hold it in my mind especially when people say to me oh but you're dad died and doing something dangerous and I think yeah good for him <laughs> you know? yeah, he's having fun yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh didn't ever have to worry about his pension or anything um or deal with me when I was a teenager uh but uh yeah and I, I think like I became a kid who was really like really averse to suffering and uh, like sometimes I think that I, I became a vegetarian when I was quite young and, uh, okay. and I think sometimes I think that, that was a lot to do with that you know I just kind of I became really 
horrified by the idea that uh that there was like death all around me you know I find that really really frightening um so I stopped eating meat I still don't eat meat <laughs> I kind of I I just yeah I, I kind of thought you know if there's so much suffering in the world if there's some of it that we can mm. just not have <laughs> maybe that's just and you'll do your bit um so I think yeah that was it. and like and you know I guess the kind of work that I do I really like as a person I like I try my best I think to to try any way to to look after people and to yeah. make sure that people are all right and that no one's feeling too alone and but you know but but I'm not very I'm not very sentimental so I think it's kind of hard to do sometimes you You sound sentimental I mean in in person I think you know in terms of my work and stuff I'm not very um yeah but you can't you can't be too attached in that environment no in work but I like you know I try hard to make sure that yeah that nobody suffers too much I think that's really like I guess that I think that's the kind of summary of it um Yeah, I guess, you know, I, I looked, I I feel quite compelled to look after my mom and stuff. You know, I worry about her or, you know. Kind of. mm. That's that's one of the more difficult parts, I think, of having a dead parent is the other parent. <laughs> God damn it. Like, <laughs> it does, it is, it is very, very difficult. It almost and be ex- easier to be orphaned in a car crash, you know. Well, I mean, sometimes sometimes you do have to think that, don't you? But God, I, God, I love my dad, but Christ alive, does he do my nothing? Right. I'm like, Mum, why did you have to leave and leave me with this? this? Guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it, the way that that that, that responsibility for the the remaining parent, or like towards the remaining parent, if like if you are a person who believes that people should be able to receive love and affection that someone's in a relationship somebody that person dies and then I think often children feel that it's their job to to provide that care or, or some yeah. element of care you know or even just practical things you know yeah well my my dad would tell you like I do his head in about food and stuff like that like <laughs> I'm always like dad you're gonna have a heart attack and I've only got one parent left so you need to sort your life out <laughs> like this is not acceptable <laughs> I don't think you understand <laughs> I really annoy him with it, but um, I do find as well it, that responsibility usually lies on the women of the family rather than the men, which infuriates me a little bit. But also for me, it's kind of down to circumstance where my brothers are seven years and nine years older than me, so they moved out of the home ages ago. So I think they'd already separated from it, whereas I still live in the same house. And I'm still here, so I'm very much ingrained in it. But I'm kind of jealous of them that they can just go and do whatever they want and not have to think yes. about it. Don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny because I don't think my brother, my brother and I, we never, I don't think, I mean, I don't know about him, actually, I can't speak for him, but um, I've never worried about my mom dying. You know, that, mm-hmm. again, cause I have this, this idea that she's going to live forever. And I don't know if that's just a, a psychological thing where I'm like, you cannot die. That is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but I always like you know joke that I'm waiting for her to die so I can get rid of her, her ugly surname you know uh, <laughs> she did drunkenly tell me that it was okay to get rid of it but uh, my wedding she was like it's okay which why what's not your surname no not my, not my no. surname no, I have a I have a secret double barrel surname and the oh, nice. so I didn't actually know until I found my birth certificate when I was like 16 I'm like why is that 
middle name in capital letters. <laughs> uh, so no, my other surname slash middle name is her name, oh. which is uh, not as not as good. What is it? What's the um, name? It's cartilage. Cartilage? No uh, way. I mean, my grandmother literally got a, a letter addressed to her as Mrs. Ligament um, because they couldn't remember her name, but uh, remembered it was something to do with joints. Oh my god! So, so yeah, I'm like, oh, I need to wait for my mom to die so that I can just get rid of that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, it's maybe not fair. And I, oh, me. <laughs> but yeah, she doesn't seem she's not. Although she did that, she phoned me a while ago and she said, oh, I just have funny you to tell tell you where I've left a copy of my will. I'm like, are you dying? <laughs> are you dying? <laughs> like, no, I just wanted to like, know where it was, just in case, you know. Just in case she climbs up one of those mountains and yeah, I think she'd actually. I think she her car had skidded in the snow or something. And she had oh her, god, uh, or something like that. But yeah, she phoned me to tell me where her will was. I'm like, don't fucking do that to me. Like, that's definitely enough to freak you out, isn't it? One hundred percent. Um. Anyway, if it's okay with you, I was going to end it on our kind of last question that we always ask people. Which is, what would you say to other people that have experienced something similar to you? I think, I was thinking about this uh, the other day and like, and also thinking about it in terms of um, being the parent-to-be of uh, a kid who's going to be the result of a uh, donor uh, donation, mm. uh, who is going to have a parent who they don't know who they are. Um, and yeah. I think that for me, if I think about my uh, DPCness, a lot of it is characterized by uh, total absence, I think, rather than the absence of a person who I knew who they were, you know, and I think that a lot of people, uh, especially children, I think children really like, they form their identities based on kind of who their parents are. And, you know, it's, you know, you, you always hear that conversation between kids or like, oh, my dad likes this, or my mom does this, or blah, blah, blah. And they're, and they're very invested in who their parents are as people. And I think that yeah. a lot of my like a lot of my feeling about it or about having a dead parent uh is about what it was like to grow up with only kind of one mirror to reflect off, if you know what I mean. Like I grew up as the parent of one person, as sorry, as the, the child of one person, but also the child of this other person who I didn't really know anything about. Um, I was yeah. always a bit afraid to ask and I didn't want to upset my mom by asking her or upset any of his friends by asking them. And I know I've, you know I've started to do it now, but you know we're talking like more than twenty years later. So there was this big period of my life where I don't know. I just felt that like that I had to kind of create myself as a person, or like decide who I was going to be and then be that person, or you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I would say to somebody like a little person who is in the same situation as me is that it's okay to do that. And I think that, like, I think I felt quite bad about that when I was little, that I was like, oh, but who am I, you know, being my own person when I'm this person's Mm -hmm. daughter and I don't know who he was. And I would, you know, and I think that, yeah, I think that it's, it's important for, for people and especially little, little people to know that it's all right to be whoever they are and they don't have to model themselves on somebody who's not there, you know? I love that. Yeah. I think I hadn't thought of it like that before. Like your personality or your behaviour or your thoughts are usually very much mirrored off your parents, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, lots of kids support the same teams as their parents, or they have 
some of the political yeah. views or you know they know their parents taste in music and films and things you know the only thing I really had was some uh, my mom's a classical musician and she uh it's very strict rules in our house that my brother and I were only allowed to listen to classical music Scottish <laughs> folk music or jazz with the sole exceptions of my dad's records that she likes we were allowed to listen to Beatles and Pink Floyd uh, and so I, but I still have them I still have those uh vinyl records that, that belong to my dad and lots of his tapes and things and but I only started listening to them as as an older person they didn't form a part of yeah the identity apart from listening to Pink Floyd you know that was my like one connection um yeah. so take control of the person that you want to be basically yeah, or like yeah it's okay to be whoever you are rather than feeling like you have to be like somebody who you don't know you don't know yeah yeah and that was brilliant well thank you so much again I really appreciate it thank you so much for listening to this week's DPC podcast we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have and have found some comfort in the stories that you've heard today if you've resonated with anything we've said have any questions or want to get involved please do contact us we're on instagram it's at DPC podcast you can email us on dpcpodcast at hotmail.com or we have a contact form on our website www.dpcpodcast.co.uk We have a whole bunch of resources over on our website more information about dealing with grief losing a parent and professionals to contact if you should need it because as Kat so eloquently said in our first podcast we're not providing healthcare we're just chatting shit <laughs> If you think this podcast could help someone, then we would love for you to share it. We upload new podcasts every week, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Loads of love from Sam and Kat. See See you next next Tuesday. Nailed it. Nailed it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.